My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. It's the breakfast show on Sunrise Radio. Raj Guy is the name. 90 second challenge. We play it every single morning, Monday to Friday. Are you ready? Let's play the 90 second challenge. We have got brand new contestants on the line. They're all the way from Oxford. We have got Nadine and Janet. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. We're fine. Thank Fantastic. you. On the way to school, on the way to work. Where are you off to? Uh, off to school. Off to school. Okay. Brilliant. Right. 90 second challenge. You know how to play the game. I'm sure you've heard it a million times. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. So the score to beat is 14. Okay, so Fatima and the kids yeah. in... Um, where are they? I've forgotten now. Um, I, can't, I can't remember where they were. Solihull. No, they're, yeah, they're in Birmingham. of all sort of something. Anyway, uh, no, they're from East London. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. 14. 14 is the score to beat. All right? So let's do this. Let's not waste any time. Let's play the game. Let's play... The 92nd Challenge! The game begins in 3, 2, 1. Question number one. Which is furthest from London, Nottingham or Leeds? Leeds. It is indeed. Uh, which actor runs a taxi business in the film Piku? Uh, Ifan Khan. Absolutely right. Which city in the world has the largest population? Is it Moscow, Mumbai or Shanghai? Uh, Mumbai. It is Shanghai, I'm afraid. Which travels faster, light or sound? Uh, light. Yeah. Where does the Prime Minister live? Uh, Dining Street, number 10. Number 10, Dining Street, yeah, absolutely. Who played Harpreet Singh Bedi in the film Rocket Singh? Uh, is it uh, Ranbir? Yeah, very good. Which film features the song Daddy, Mary, Mary, Daddy? That one. Bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, what is a baby goat called? A uh, baby goat? <laughs> uh, is it? No, lamb is the sheep one. Oh, what? Lamb is for the sheep. I don't... No, no, no. Uh, pass, pass. Say pass. 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 It's a kid. It's called a kid. What do the initials FBI stand for? Uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Very good. In which in which language is Jumbo a greeting? Jumbo, Jumbo, wanna? Uh, no idea. Pass. It's Swahili. What is the capital of the USA? Come on, that's it. Uh, Washington DC. You got it right. Let me count up for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You scored eight. Ha ha! It's the same as yesterday, isn't it? I think they had the same as well. Yeah, so you, the same thing could happen to you. We could end up with a tiebreaker. So you've got a question, a bonus question for one, and then a question for five. Yeah. If you get this one wrong, obviously you will lose a point, and that's it. Game over. All right? All right. All right. Okay, have a listen. Uh, no, let me ask you this question first. Which planet, which planet in our solar system is known as the blue planet? Uh, blue planet, is it? No, the blue planet. You know, like the Attenborough series. The, it's, a, it's it's the Earth, the planet Earth. Oh, it's the blue the Earth, planet. Yeah. Oh, God. oh dear, 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 you're down to seven, so you you can't actually get to the top, which does mean that uh, Fatima yeah. and kids will uh, be our winners of the week. But we can have a bit of fun. Oh. We can just go for it yeah. anyway. Yeah, let's go for the plus five. Have a listen to this, right? Here's a question. Who is this? The, I'm about to play you a little snippet, right? Somebody's voice. I want to know who... 
Shh, be quiet in the back. All right, I want to know who is this guy's wife, wife's son's wife. Okay, who is this guy's wife's son's wife? I think that most actors who go through this long period must indeed have to contend with the fact that they're going to age. Who is that guy's is it- wife's son's wife? You did it. You did well. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't quite do enough to get you to the top of that leaderboard, but yeah. uh, we had a bit of fun. That was great. Thank you yeah, so much. No worries. Have a great day. And have a lovely weekend, Nadine and Janet in Oxford. Yes, All right, guys. You. you take care. There you go. That means, of course, that Fatima and the kids, you are our winners of the week. We're doing it all over again from Monday morning. Have a go then. You can catch Raj Guy and his funny humour weekdays on breakfast between 6am and 9am. Hey, my name is Shabnam Sahi. Welcome to the official Sunrise Radio podcast. I'm on your radio weekdays from 9am to 12 noon. If you've heard the show, you know what to expect from it. But here are some exciting, interesting Bollywood stories that you may have missed. This time round, served up as part of our official Sunrise Radio podcast. Enjoy. This will come as a fantastic piece of news for fans of Salim Javed and their unique brand of cinema. They're the star kids. Salman Khan, Zoya Akhtar and Farhan Akhtar, they have decided to collaborate and jointly co-produce a documentary on the magic of Salim Javed. It'll be directed by Namrata Rao, known for her work as a film editor in films like Oi, Lucky, Lucky, Oi, Ishkia, Band Baja Bharat and Kahani. If you wish to know why film buffs make such a big deal of the angry young man and his influence on society, on the industry, this could be the answer. I mean, Salim Javed ka most iconic, of course, their film has to be Shole, but also Divar equally, right? I mean, only the other day someone had posted it in some context um, on Facebook and I was looking at it. There you have two brothers. One is a cop, the other is a gangster. One is Shashi Kapoor, the other is Amitabh Bachchan. And years after they have been separated, there they meet at the exact same place where their journey started. And Amitabh Bachchan, who's a gangster, he's trying to convince his brother that you are a cop. You know, what does it even get you? What is your salary? Huh? Why don't you join me? And and we can do this together. To which Shashi Kapoor says that my usool and adarsh is not given to me. So Amitabh Bachchan turns around and there is that famous monologue. Oof! This usool, this adarsh. They can't make two times of the roti. He says that, look Vijay, you are the only one and I am the only one. Both are going on this footpath. And today, today, look, I am where I am and where are you? Today, I have a car, a bungalow, a house, factories, Samsung S20 plus 5G. If you don't know what comes next, you shouldn't be listening to this show. Now, you know, there's a reason why I absolutely adore Amir Khan and I call him the Khan of all Khans. It has a bit to do with his intelligence. It has a bit to do with his boyish charm, his commitment to a role. The fact that he was my first megastar, uh, the first person I interviewed uh, on radio 25 years ago in Delhi when I was just starting out. All of these reasons make him my favorite. But most of all, because he is so generous with his praise. He is so magnanimous about his peers, about his colleagues, and he always takes full responsibility for the box office outcome of his film. What a rock star. You know, he doesn't turn around and say, I did my best. You know, I did what I could. I don't know why the film failed. He will be the first one to put his hand up and say that, yep, I committed to this. I asked you to come and watch it. It is as much my responsibility as anybody else's. If it fails, it is as much uh, on my shoulder as anybody else's. What a 24-carat man he is. Now, when fans pointed out yesterday on the occasion of Gadar and Lagan both celebrating 20 years, that Amir Khan and Sunny Diol, they had a tendency to clash at the box office. They did so in 1990 with Dil going head-to-head with Ghayal. Then again in 1996 with Raja Hindustani pitted against Ghatak. So 2001 mein Lagan against Gadar was the third time. Isko sunke Amir Khan ne kaha ki, I believe that two or more films releasing on the same day is a good thing if both films are well made. Sunny Diol and I, of course, we have a tendency. And he says that I was prepared for Gadar to be a good film. What I was not prepared for was the 
monster of a film that it was. People would travel in trucks for the film. Ghadar was at least three times, if not four times bigger than Lagan. It was a tsunami. If Lagan was even 1% less of a film, we would not have stood a chance at all. But it is our tremendous good fortune that both films ended up doing well. In fact, Ghadar did more business than Lagan did at the time. But down the years, over the last 20 years, both Sunny and I have realized that they are loved by fans. Absolutely adored. How lucky are Sunny and I, he says. That is the kind of generosity and magnanimity that I was talking about. Anybody else would say, yeah, I know, Gadar was so good. But we were better, right? You know, we can't be so vocal about 20 years of Lagan without name-checking 20 years of Ghadar, which got just as many fans very excited about this milestone yesterday. Both directors, Ashutosh Gowarikar and Anil Sharma, have spoken warmly about the two films. Both lead actors, Amir Khan and Sunny Diol, thanked their fans for their love, their loyalty. Both leading ladies, Amesha Patel and Gracie Singh, had beautiful stories to tell on their place in the narrative. And the stellar supporting cast in both films talk about a unique bond that was forged on set, memories of which remain so fresh that it seems like it's a thing really? Now, in a very emotional interview, Anil Sharma, the director of Ghadar, said that there's so many stories that took birth during the partition. When I got to know this one, I connected with it immediately. I studied the time period, I watched a lot of documentaries, I read a lot of books, and I came to the conclusion of how there were millions of people who were making sacrifices, those who were being killed in the name of their country. But again, how does someone react to a situation or take care of themselves when love is also part of the equation. He says there were many challenges of shooting Gadar. Once we had the cast in place, when we had, once we had the screenplay locked in place, you know, getting the period setting to match what we had seen, you know, getting those trucks and those steam engines and the bogies, all of that, assembling that was a huge challenge. Then, of course, making sure that the movie would connect to people 10 years or even 20 years down the line. I that challenge was met admirably. Now, Race 3 completed three years. And while most people would agree that it was the weakest link in the Race franchise, a film best forgotten. At the same time, no one can dispute the fact that raking in about 303 crores at the Bollywood box office is no mean achievement. Only a star like Salman Khan could have pulled it off, right? Made so much money on a film that everyone agrees was absolutely no good. Now, it was a standalone story with no connection to race one or two, which was led by Saif Ali Khan, if you remember. And the Remo D'Souza directorial, it starred, beside Salman Khan, Bobby Diol, Anil Kapoor, Jacqueline Fernandez, Saqib Salim and Freddie Daruwala and Daisy Shah. Huh, Bobby Diol thinking of race three as a big deal, it makes perfect sense because this was the film that kick-started his second innings and it led him to class of 83 and ashram and so much more. Bobby Diol posted yesterday, this is where it all began again. The journey has been incredible, especially 2020. Cannot wait to show you all everything coming up next. Hashtag three years of race three. Hashtag gratitude. You know, sifting through columns and columns of tributes to Sushant in the last few days, some of the most personal and poignant messages came not from the high-profile names, you know, the well-known stars, those you expected heartfelt tributes from, you know, Sushant's co-stars and directors, his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, all the rest of it. But the one tribute that really touched me was from Ram Naresh Divakar. I don't even know. I didn't know who he was. I had to Google him. He was Sushant's co-star from Abhishek Chobe's Son Chidiya. Ram Naresh Divakar, he posted something that really made me cry. You know, just reading it. It was a behind-the-scenes video of someone playing the song Ek Pyaar Ka Nagma Hai, Mojo Ki Ravani Hai. And someone was playing it on the flute and this was on the sets of Son Chidiya when the cameras weren't rolling, possibly after pack-up. You know, everybody was just sitting around and in one corner, somebody on set was playing this. Posting a small clip of that video Ram Narish Divakar wrote Zindagi aur kuch bhi nahi teri meri kahani hai Probably no truer lines have been said about our short, fleeting existence on this planet. Our time here is defined by how zestfully we lived and how deeply we loved. And you, my friend, Sushant, you lived and loved with the intensity of a million stars. Alive 
in every moment. The lessons I learned from you will stay with me for a lifetime. I wish you could see the love the whole world has for you. But I think you are watching already, somewhere from among the stars that you loved so much. You are one of them now. I hope to join you one day there over the horizon. Now, season two of Raj and DK's OTT drama, The Family Man, led by Manoj Bajpai, this not only reintroduced us to the sheer brilliance of Samantha Kineni, but other actors in this impressive ensemble, they also got a share of the spotlight. I'm talking specifically about intelligence officer J.K. Talpade, played by actor Sharib Hashmi. You know, to carve your own space and deliver that too in a drama that's Packed with talent, packed with names like Manoj Bajpayee, Samantha Kineni, Priyamani, Seema Biswas, Sharad Kelkar, Sunny Hinduja, Shreya Dhanavantri, so many others. And to not be the weakest link in the team, this needed real guts and complete dedication, which is what Sharib Hashmi brought to the table. Lekin ye journey jo hai na, it hasn't been without its own pitfalls and disappointments. In a recent interview, Sharib Hashmi said the first season had uh, set a benchmark for itself and it was an advantage for all of us. Personally, season one, I received a lot of love, but this time round, the reaction has been absolutely crazy. This is happening to me for the first time in my career. I'm on cloud nine. Things are completely out of control. I didn't expect it to surpass my expectations and I'm feeling very emotional about this. For years, I have been craving, craving recognition and I'm so glad I got it for JK, his character, JK Talpade. Uske baad, uh, Sharib ki when I was growing up, I was just, you know, I mean, when I was an adult, I was just five feet four and I felt that I couldn't become a hero. So I thought, but I want to stay in this line. So I started work as an assistant director. I started writing non-fiction shows for MTV and Channel V and all the rest of it. Then after a lot of ups and downs, I decided that He says, financially, I was in a bad state. So when the offer came for me to audition for The Family Man, I was clutching at straws. I'm just so glad it worked out. You can catch Shabnam Sahi, the ultimate storyteller, weekdays, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. This is Anushka Arora. As always, lovely to have your company for the Sunrise Radio podcast. And this week, I have another special guest on the show. Hi, Vidya. How are you? Hi. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Vidya. I think um, it's important to firstly, of course, start off with the, the very bizarre time uh, that we have been going through. I mean, how has it been for you? I'd say I'm counting my blessings. You know, um, I'm grateful that my loved ones are all safe. Mm. And uh, that's, I think, the most priceless thing at this point. Uh, otherwise, it's been uneventful and I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. How would you describe like the general vibe of the industry now that things are very slowly opening up uh, over there in India? I think people are itching to get back to work like the rest of the world. You know, uh, I think there's a lot of excitement and hope and enthusiasm. And uh, we're just having to hold ourselves back until we're given the go ahead. You know, of course, things have started very in a very small way, but I think in a couple of months, everyone will be shooting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, Vidya, firstly, I have seen Sherni and I have to say it is wonderful. Um, and I you. think it's a very, very different movie. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've very we've seen anything like this um, at all in Hindi cinema so far, right? I think so too, but you know, I don't want to be presumptuous and uh, say that. So I've been saying, I, I think there's been no film like this, at least in the recent past. Mm. Uh, but you know what sets this film apart is the fact that it's not just a story set in the jungle. It is about the jungle. And I think that really is the USP of the film for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what's really beautiful is that it's it's very real. Um, it's very, um, it's just made in a very beautiful way. I think like the camera shots, the way it's edited, you, the entire cast, I think it's done very, very nicely. Um, but in terms of your character, Vidya, uh, what was it about her that made you want to do this film? Actually, I have to admit that it was more this, the world Mm -hmm. and the overall story uh, that 
drew me to the film. And of course, the character is very different from anything I've done before because, mm. you know, uh, she almost seems passive. Uh, but I think she seems passive. I say that very consciously because she is a doer. She goes ahead and does exactly what she wants to do, no matter the circum, uh, no matter the consequences. And I think that takes a lot of courage. So in that sense, to me, she is a shade me, mm-hmm. given that every, you know, that you don't need to roar to be a tigress. For sure. Now, you know, through the movie that you've, it, you're surrounded by quite a lot of males. Um, you know, some of the dialogues that have been like, that have been said to you and your reactions, um, they've been very priceless, your expressions. They've been like, it's like they, without saying anything, you still say a lot uh, in the movie. I mean, tell me what it's like being directed by somebody like Amit. You know, it is... Um and for lack of a better word, I've been saying this uh, throughout the promotions that he's a very unusual director. His choice of subject, um, the way he, um, you know, directs his actors, all of that is very unusual. The way he looks at the world, you know, his concerns, um, the way he concerns himself with the world. Mm. or the way the world concerns him. All of that is so unusual. And that's what you see in the film. Mm. Like, for example, in this film, it would have been so easy to make Vidya Vincent um, almost hyper-masculine, given that she's in a male-dominated world. And um, Whenever we've seen women in male-dominated worlds, whether uh, it's the corporate world or the police, uh, you invariably see them being very hyper-masculine. But, you know, he didn't fall for that. He didn't use that trope. Mm. So I think he doesn't go for the convenient. And that can be tough on the actors. And that can be tough to grasp. But I think I like that challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think somebody like you, an actor like you, you take on those challenges so well, Um, whether it's a Kahani, whether it's a Shirni, I mean, whether it's a dirty picture, it's your work has been so different uh, throughout the years. And I think that's what makes you, you and makes you very, very unusual in your work. And that's why we look forward to seeing all your different projects is like, mm, I wonder what she's going to do next. Um, so it's always something very out of the box. And, you know, that, 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 that I think sets you apart. Um, well, thank you. Really, really nicely. No, it's, it's really, really lovely, the work that you do. But I mean, the star cast, again, is just so fabulous in this. You know, you have uh, Vijay Raz, you've got Neeraj Garbi, you've, you've got, they're just so fabulous. I mean, what do you have to say about them? You know, they're all so seasoned that uh, it almost seems like it's, it's, um, they say, by you know, it's like child's play for them. So on set, we would all be bantering and then we'd be called for a shot and we'd just go to the shot and come back and continue from where we left off. So it was so lovely to be working with all of them, all of whom I've watched and admired in the past. Yeah. You know, and then I get to work with all of them together, Brijendra Kala, Ila Arun, Mukul Chadda. So just such a wonderful bunch of actors, you know, and they make anything so real and believable. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I think it's, it's um, acting is about reacting. And when you're faced with such a brilliant bunch of actors, it's that give and take is very... Uh, it's it's an exciting and joyous one. Yesharat Saksena. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah. All of them, yeah. I mean, all of you guys. You guys, I think um, it's casted really, really well. Uh, each to Thank their own you. characters. It's really fabulous. I mean, Vidya, you know, we've been talking about, you know, your your movies that you've done and this one in particular, but do you kind of feel a sense of pressure um, in terms of signing on new projects? Because are you kind of conscious that your next project always has to be different? And because that's what we're so used to seeing from you. No, uh, you know, I have no choice but to look for something different because I get bored very easily. Mm. I uh, so so I, to keep myself interested and excited and motivated, 
I look for different kinds of roles to play or different kinds of stories to tell, different kinds of stories to tell. So I think a little bit of that and it's probably a two-way street. Those films find me, I find them and it's worked out well, but there's no pressure. I think I'm very, very possessive mm. uh, about my decisions. Mm -hmm. They're solely mine. Um, I'm very selfish about them. So I only do what I do for myself. Mm. It's a bonus that, you know, people love my work and appreciate it. And they tell me that, um, that they, they expect something different from me. And I'm very grateful for that. But I have to admit that my decisions are very, I make them for myself. But I think that's a really good thing that you do that, because like you said, um, you do it for yourself. And as long as you love the project that you're doing, I think yeah. automatically that shines on screen. Um, yeah, I guess because, you know, I have to live through that experience. Yeah. And anyway, there are so, so many variables on every film mm. set that could change uh, or could alter the experience you're hoping to have. So at least as long as you're wedded to your role, as long as you feel that, oh my God, I want to be this person, you know, um, I think you're on safe ground. For sure. Now, what are your views on this whole big screen release versus OTT? I mean, does does it bother you? Um, no, not at all. Because do we have a choice at this point? We don't. Mm, no. Mm. And I think uh, both experiences are very unique. The theatrical experience and the OTT experience. They offer you completely different um experiences yeah you know one is a collective experience one is a very personal one one offers you a great freedom to choose from um you know a great freedom to choose from amongst a variety of genres formats depending on your mood yeah. so i think there are pluses to both and both will thrive but i'm happy that at this time when people are still most people are still going that we're able to take our film to their homes okay. and that to the people across 240 countries, given that this is a very universal theme. Yeah, definitely. I definitely you know, agree is, with that. Uh, yeah. It talks, yeah. Right, right. Sorry, what were you saying? Sorry. No, absolutely. So uh, you said definitely agree with that. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Vidya, I've also noticed on your Instagram, you've really been having a lot of fun with the fashion and the styling with the promotions of this. You've been wearing Sorry, some really cool stuff. I'm, I'm losing your voice. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Is that better? Uh, I was just saying yeah, yeah. you've been having a lot of fun with the styling um, and the promotions of this film. You've got you've really like gone out with the whole theme uh, of Shani. So just give us a little sneak peek of uh, what you're wearing today as well. You know, I'm wearing a masaba sari, which oh. is again like a it's almost like a how pretty. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Love that. Um, thank you. So I'm enjoying this. I've, when we were discussing promotions uh, a month and a half ago, we didn't know whether we'd be able to promote the film, even sitting in one place. And, mm. you know, so my stylist Prana and Shauna were like, we'll try and get you all the possible clothes we can to make it look, at least every interview look different. <laughs> and um, thankfully now we are able to do these interviews and uh, it is very helpful because you know, I'm just having a great time, honestly, but also visually mm. it's, I think at a certain level, it does, um, it does draw home, drive home the point. <laughs> of course it does. I mean, your Instagram is looking really good. Oh, um, thank you. It's looking really nice now. Vidya, uh, tell me a little bit about any other projects that you're working on forthcoming, if you're able to, of course, that is. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I have said yes to three films. I don't know which one I'm starting first, so I'd rather uh, I'd rather keep quiet about it for the moment, but hopefully okay. make an announcement soon. Oh, we're looking forward to that. And I must tell you, just the other day, we were uh, talking about you and Humpanch on my radio show. Uh, so we were just talking about how an amazing actress you are and how much love we have for you. So, Well, thank you uh, so much. That been, means the world to me. Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you. Lots of Thank love you. to you and all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vidya. All the Thank best you, uh, for this movie. All the best for your upcoming projects. And I'm glad you've signed a few so that we get to see more of you. Oh, um, thank really, you. Really thank you, Vidya. Thanks thank a lot. You. Take care. Take Bye. Care. Bye. Listen to our Bollywood queen, Anushka Aurora, from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise. The Bhangra Showdown with Amit Chana. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Ammo Beats to the show. Ammo, welcome, my friend. How you doing, Amit? You all right? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. Thank you for the opportunity. Tell me a little bit about you. Where are you from? Where did you get into music? What tickled your fancy to make Bhangra music? Right, so I'm from uh, Edmonton, North London. Okay. And uh, it kind of started in 2004. I've got some family friends and they're DJs, DJ jammers, and I used to go to their, I used to go to their parties, and I kind of got into the whole DJing thing. Right. And then after that, I kind of like just bought myself a MIDI controller, um, two banks, and MPC, and I started learning how to produce music. Uh-huh. And um, it's kind of all just kicked off from there. And it's, it's been a long journey, and I'm still learning, but. Um, slowly getting there. The beautiful thing about music is that we're always, always learning, right? Because you can never know everything there is to know about music. But but what tickled your fancy about producing Bhangra or Punjabi music in the way that you do? Obviously because I'm Punjabi myself. So um, it was, it's always been played around the house and uh, uh, we go to weddings, parties, and it's just like, you know how it is. And uh, yeah, it just kind of... Um, kind of started from there but so, so, um, I, used to, I used to produce like hip hop beats as well right. and it wasn't until I came across like Gauri Music um, and um, a very good friend of mine uh, G Sony yep. we kind of just um, like picked it up as, as I went along and uh, yeah so who did you grow up listening to uh, Ammo I, uh, I was going to call you Amrit then your real name's Amrit but your stage name as it were is Ammo who did you grow up listening to all sorts of good music, really, like um, Gurdas Man, Sadul um, Sikandar, and uh, all that is uh, traditional life, you know, and Hansa uh, Chan, um, and yeah, and it all those kind of artists. Isn't it interesting, right? Whenever I speak to artists of sort of our age group, I, I, I presume you're probably a little bit younger than me, but we always refer to the, the the legends. It's only when you get nudged that you're reminded of things like people like B21 and, and Hira and Alap and all that. Of course, they were all brilliant, but there's something about the influence of the music our parents played that stayed with us, right? Exactly. Like, I remember when I was like probably seven or eight and I was going to um, going to weddings and they, they, all this music was play, being played on the dance floor you know mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that so you kind of pick it up as you go along and you, you know what these it kind of sticks with you yeah um, so when you grow older you obviously come across new artists and you start listening to other stuff but that kind of stuff always just remains with you you know and that makes a lot of sense to me because you mentioned some of those kind of legendary folk singers and then you talked about producing hip-hop beats. I mean, your sound to me, and I hope you take this as a compliment, sort of rings true of an Amun Heya kind of style where the percussion element of it is the desi side of it and the vocal, obviously, but then there is a little bit of a kind of kick in it that has that kind of element of the true school Amun Heya, that kind of vibe. Would I be right in that? Yeah, you could say that. It's just, it's, 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 it's like, it's influence, isn't it? It's influence. Yeah. So, um, so when I try and make a beat, I always try and mix it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it kind of just happens because it's subconsciously it's in your mind, and like when you, when you're in the studio, it just comes out, you know. <laughs> it does, it does, and it comes out well. Which brings me beautifully to this brand new single you have. Last week, as you heard me say, I put it down as one of my fresh uh, off the Dava tracks, which is basically new music sponsored by my friends and powered by my friends at simplypangada.com. They send me a list of new music every week, and I pick tracks one an hour to, to kind of champion as new music from the industry, particularly if it's from the UK. And that always excites me. Now, Chadla, when I played it last week, it really did catch my ear, man. Tell me about the track and tell me about Surinder Mehi. Did you have his vocals already? Did he record for you? What's the story there? So a few years back, I went to India and uh, took a catalogue beat and we were looking for singers and Cylinder was one of the artists that came came mm-hmm. to the studio. And uh, I said to him, Baji, listen, I need a very um, upbeat, dance floor vibe, like something that's really catchy. And uh, he wrote Chella and I brought the vocals back with me and started working on the production. I've had it, I had it, I was sitting there for, for, for a little while and then... Uh, it wasn't until April, um, Easter weekend, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I need to finish it off. Got it sorted. Uh, yeah, and dropped it on the third. 
And that's interesting. Now you say Surinder Mahival wrote this song as well as as well as recorded the vocals, right? Yes, he did. So yeah. what what is it that makes an artist like you kind of get a song, work on it, and then drop it, and then slowly go back to it again? What is it that the block? Is it a block? Is it like oh, I'm done with that. I need to move on. Right. So so what happens if you, if you continuously listen to music, it, it becomes. It just like you just listen to it on second entry, so you're constantly listening to it, and you can't see the elements that need replacing or you change it. But I started work on it. I left it. I came back to it, and you can't see all the um, all the errors and and all the little bits that you think, oh, you know what? Let me change this. It gives you a fresh feel to it. So basically, fresh ears brings new new vibrance to it. Is that what you're saying? Because when you keep listening exactly. to it, eventually it becomes just not noise, but just kind of good. And then you want it to be brilliant, right? So you go away from it and come exactly. back to it. Yeah. So, so what would you say? Let's just say you said you left it for a while. You went back to it April weekend, uh, Easter weekend. What were the changes that you made? Just a minor thing. Just tell me that like the vocal did this or the chords did this and I changed that. What was it that you, you kind of tweaked? I actually overhauled the whole production. Oh, there you go. So you started you from go. scratch. <laughs> I, I, I took everything. I had uh, all the samples and stuff that already in time. Yeah. Um, so I just dragged them aside and just started fresh canvas. So, you know, blank canvas and just put everything back in again and then just uh, reproduced it, you could say. And I guess in some way, because you had the vocal already, you had to stick to the melody and the style of it because it's not like calling the vocalist back in again and go, oh, I've decided to change the style of it. So you are restricted in that way. But how different is this version that I'm going to play to the version you left before Easter? Trust me, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to know. Oh, I want to hear it now. I want to hear it now. There's, there's a, I've done a lot to it. Um, yeah. Like the vocals, um, like speaking the vocals and all sorts of uh, the chords. Yeah. Um, literally, um, I took them all out. Um, I had them layered after layers after layers and I literally just kept a couple of layers. That's it. Of, all right, you stripped uh, it right of, back. Of stripped it right back. Nice. Now he's got a strong vocal, man. I'm surprised. I'm not, not surprised you did that. Listen, Amo, what's next for you? What can I expect? I'm excited to hear what comes out of your your studio, man. So, what when's when's the next one, and what else can we expect? Right, I'm with a label called Garden Music, yep. and we're constantly releasing music. Um, we've got a team behind us that are always working to deliver good music. And uh, for myself, I've got a few songs that are ready complete, um, and. Uh, I'm looking to, uh, to release those. Um, but then again, on our label, we've got so much happening. Um, constantly got music coming out. Well, let me so, tell you, uh, man, you've got my attention, so I'm looking forward to getting those emails from your team and say we've got a new one from Ammo Beats. I will constantly play them, uh, of course, on the show. Ammo, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Tell us where we can find you online and where we can find more of your music. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at Ammo Official. You can follow the label at Garu Music, that's uh, GHRU Music. Or you can visit our website at www.garumusic.co.uk. Mate, Ammo, it's been a pleasure. I'm excited and I look forward to more new music from you, mate. Thank you. Join Amit Chana every Saturday from 4pm for the Bangla Showdown, playing you the finest in Punjabi and Bangla music from the past, present and future. This is Anila Dami on Sunday. I spoke to former Attorney General and former Conservative MP for Bickensfield, Dominic Grieve. Here's what he had to say. So what do you think turned voters away from the Conservative Party and to the Liberal Democrats during the by-election? Do you think it's more an issues-based vote, like the planning reforms plans and HS2, rather than party politics? I think it's a mixture of things. Clearly, uh, local issues will have played a part. I have no doubt about that. I think planning has been very damaging for the Conservative government because it's given an impression that people's views are going to be ignored. And in the southeast of England, that matters a great deal. Uh, I also think HS2 has been very damaging, and it's a long-running issue, and particularly bad in Chesham and Amersham. But I don't think that that alone explains what's happened. My feeling is that a very large number of people are very discontented with the style of leadership which the Prime Minister is giving. They don't see him as honest, they don't see him as truthful, and the antics that surround the government, the chaos, which he appears in fact deliberately to rather enjoy creating because it builds his power, is I think something that really troubles them. 
And they're also seeing the consequences. This is, after all, the heartland of wealth creation in the United Kingdom. Lots of people involved in business grappling both with the problems of COVID, but also with the problems brought about by Brexit. And, and yet there's a prime minister who gives the impression of constant sunny optimism, which I don't think is matched in their own view and perception of what's going on. But of so course, think- of course, with the, you've mentioned COVID there, the vaccination programme's been extremely successful. You mentioned Brexit and Boris Johnson has been delivering on his promise of Brexit. Yes, but bear in mind that the promise of uh, on COVID, I think a lot of some of people will say, well, it's great that we have the vaccination programme. But actually, uh, when you look at some of the things that have gone on, like procurement and the cronyism, they're not very pleased about that. And then, uh, so they're pleased to have the COVID programme and grateful to the government for that. And on Brexit, a large number of people in Cheshire and Amersham, a majority, didn't want it. Now, that's not to say that they won't have accepted it because it's happened and it's irreversible. Mm. But they're living with the consequences of it. And if you're involved with an SME, which is having difficulty sending goods or importing goods from the continent, then you're not going to be very happy about that. So my feeling, and certainly from talking to people who live in the area, and I know quite a few, is that there is very high levels of discontent, and a lot of it is aimed at the Prime Minister directly. Do you think there's such a thing now as a safe seat for the Conservatives? For a general election, undoubtedly. Uh, And I have no doubt that there are parts of the country which remain very enthusiastic about the Prime Minister, but this is Conservative heartland. Buckinghamshire has been Conservative for as a council since it was created in the 1880s. Um, it is an extraordinary turnaround that a seat like Chesham and Amersham should cease to be Conservative. Mm-hmm. Even in bad years, like the 97 general election, there were still very substantial Conservative majorities there. So something has gone very badly wrong for the party, and um, the Prime Minister ought to listen to his backbenchers And he ought very carefully to consider whether, in fact, the style of government he's offering is the right one. The trouble is, I don't actually think the Prime Minister has any other style of government to offer. And of course, the Batley and Spend by-elections coming up. Do you think the party will do successfully there? I have no idea what will happen in Batley and Spend. It's a very different environment. Doubtless, people up there will have their own concerns and their own hopes. And the question will be whether they think that the Conservative Party matches their aspirations. And there's no doubt that one of Mr Johnson's great successes has been to appeal to sections of uh, the of British society who have felt marginalised. It, it undoubtedly explains the, the, the red wall phenomenon. But how long that will last depends on his ability to deliver. And his ability to deliver is at least in part dependent on keeping his heartlands on side as well, which is why I simply don't know what will happen in Batley and Spen. And whatever the outcome, it's not necessarily indicative, it seems to me, of, of the general trend of problems which I think are coming the Prime Minister's way. And lastly, what do you make of John Burko joining the Labour Party? I was a little startled, I think. But on the other hand, I can understand people are entitled. A little, I suppose my startlement comes from the fact that historically people have been speaker tend to become cross-bench peers. But of course, he's been denied the uh, opportunity or, or the honour of becoming a cross-bench peer, which is highly unusual. Um, and therefore, um, from that point of view, um, he's entitled to whatever political affiliation he thinks is right for him. It's been perfectly obvious for a long time that he's been pretty disenchanted with the Conservative Party, of which he'd been a member for so many years. And uh, so from that point of view, his ending up as in the Labour Party doesn't come as a total surprise. But I was still slightly surprised at it. But John is, is a person who always brings surprises on. Dominic Grieve, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's a pleasure. Thank you. And now joining me on the line is Alistair Carmichael. MP for Orkney and Shetland, Liberal Democrat, spokesperson on Home Affairs, Northern Ireland and Constitutional Reform. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Anila. Thank you very much for joining us. So this was a historic win on Thursday, a big victory for your party. What do you think motivated the voters? Um, It was nothing uh, particularly revolutionary. We started the campaign, we went out on the doorsteps, we listened to them, we understood what the concerns of the community were, and then we told them quite forcibly in volume over a number of weeks what we what we believed about the things that mattered to them. 
So on things like development, and you'll know that the government have a big change of planning policy in in the pipeline. Mm. We told them that, you know, we didn't think that uh, developers should be given the the current blanche to do whatever they wanted, that that communities should still be able to have a say about that at, at the end of the day. We also found that there were a lot of people there who were uh, really very directly affected by the government's refusal to uh, deal with those predominantly self-employed business people who had been left behind as a consequence of the financial support put in place to deal with the pandemic. And that's an issue about which we've been speaking for, for months. So, you know, it's about listening to the community, engaging with them, and uh, getting your message across. For them, they felt that they had been taken for granted for years, because as you say, this was a very, very safe Tory seat, and they responded to it. It is interesting because Labour had their worst result in any by-election. Why do you think that the Liberal Democrats provided a perhaps a better alternative for voters? And even the Green Party, it came third and considering many are saying that the reason votes went that way is because of the planning reforms and HS2 but what do you think it was with the Liberal Democrats versus the Labour Party really? I think there was a combination of different things the Labour Party has always found it difficult to speak to that audience of of small business people that I was talking about there the one, two, three person businesses that you know have really been left behind in the course of of, of the pandemic um, and, you know, I think they saw the arithmetic, they saw that we were the people who started from a higher base. And, um, you know, they they, they did the, they joined the dots for themselves, if I can put it like that. Mm. What was remarkable in a seat like this was when you were going round doors, there was a lot of, basically, people who were anti-conservative. Um, without being aligned necessarily to any individual party. Now, in a normal electoral contest, you find that quite often. And it will always be Liberal Democrat, Labour, Green voters that you are talking to. This time, in fact, there were a lot of people there who were saying, that was their default, well, I I know who I'm not voting for, it'll not be the Conservatives. But when you drill down a bit, you find out actually... Quite a lot of these people had been Conservative voters in the past. So, you know, look, a lot of, of Labour and Green voters uh, lent their votes to the Liberal Democrats this time. I completely understand that. It was tactical rather than a vote of commitment on their part. I respect that. And, you know, we will hopefully justify their their, their support for us. That, but more than that, we were getting people switching directly from the Conservatives because they felt that they were being ignored by the party that they had traditionally supported. Um, Sir Ed Davies claimed your party is now the main threat to the Conservatives in many areas. If you think that this was tactical voting, do you agree with him? I think if it were only tactical voting, then it would be a, a dubious claim to be making. But as I just said, you know, this was more than tactical voting. This was Liberal Democrats putting their case to people who had been traditionally conservative um, and who were coming across to us as a consequence of that. I think that's why there is reasonable grounds for saying in this occasion, because we've had good by-election results in the past, but that this time this looks just that little bit but significantly different. Um, And, you know, essentially, I'll I'll not sort of um, pretend otherwise here, We've taken a leaf out of the Tories' books because the Tories went to those Labour seats in the north of England where people there had felt that they'd been left behind and that their party was no longer speaking for them. And we now find that the Tories have got the same problem in reverse in the south and southeast of England. Um, and, you know, personally, I would rather that we had an electoral system that was proportionate, that didn't actually... Uh, produce these so-called safe seats in the way that you've, you've seen in places like Cheshire and Amersham, uh, and that everybody could believe it could vote for what they, they believed in. But unless and until we get to that happy day, I will work with the system that we've got. And how do you think you'll do in the Batley and Spen election? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, again, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. It is less uh, promising territory for us. It does look as if there is a bit of a 
a close race on there, there between the Labour Party and the Conservatives. And while I would want everybody who believes uh, in Liberal Democrat values to vote for the Liberal Democrat, I wouldn't be massively surprised if some of them who are less committed to the party than I am take a view that they will vote for their least bad candidate. MP Carmichael, thank you very much for your time this morning. Tune in every Sunday, 10am to 12 noon, for Neil Adami on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. tuned to the love lounge with the love doctor aka the real hitch here on the uk's biggest asian mix thank you so much for joining me it is time to do the couples challenge i've got an amazing couple lined up on the phone by the way and they are ready and raring to go it's time for the couples game how well do you know your partner i've got agash and neha on the phone how you guys doing hey my man how you doing i'm good hello how you doing (laughs) Very good. I don't know who's more nervous, me or you guys. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so, for anyone out there as well, just so you know, of course, Akash is my uh, brother-in-law, and this is his lovely partner. And we're going to play the couples challenge with them as well. Of course, me and your sister have done it a couple of times, and you know what? It turned out pretty good. We got a good score for each other. Um, but we're about to find out how well you two know each other. Are you ready to take on this challenge, Akash and Neha? We're ready. Yeah. Are you ready? All right, cool. All right. So just to uh, reiterate how this is going to work, it's really simple. So uh, one of you is going to be answering the questions while the other partner leaves the room. So I'll be asking that partner in the room five questions, and then we call the other partner back, and they have to try and guess their partner's answers. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, cool. So who's going to be leaving the room is the big question now. I'll leave. (laughs) No way. Are you going to do it? (laughs) Yeah. Are you, you see- leave, All right. Yeah. Now we'll leave. leaving. Really? Oh my God. Hold on. Wait. Let me just check. I've got the. Yeah. You know. I've got. I've got good questions for you. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Let me know when she's uh, out of the room and she cannot hear us. Okay. She's out. All right. She. She definitely can't hear us, can she? No, no. All right, cool. No worries. All right, we'll just throw in a maybe we'll throw in a curveball question there just to check. All right, cool. No worries. All right, first, I can't believe we're doing it this way. This is awesome. So my brother, my brother from another mother. Right, okay, cool. So oh, first, yeah. first question for you is, uh, what is your most favourite naughty snack ever? Like, like, what's your go-to snack every day on a general day when you're just like feeling really peckish? What do you normally go to? That's that's an easy one. Chocolate. <laughs> All right, chocolate. But is there any particular one which is your favourite? Uh, at the moment, it's Twix post gym. <laughs> <laughs> post gym Twix. See, this is the real test. Let's see if she gets that bit. If she, the chocolate yeah. might be easy, but let's see if she gets the Twix. All right, cool. Oh, okay. Um, right now, okay. Now this is quite a difficult one. So you answer the best way you can. But your favourite song or music artist? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> that's a tough one. I know, right? It's a tough one. There's too many. Uh, I'll go. I'll go old school. Uh, this will be hard for her. Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think she's gonna. She's never going to get that. We're not in a million years. But yeah. let's see. Let's see what she says. All right. Yeah. Qu- question number three. What is one thing that's on your bucket list? Like this, like ne- either at the top or very near the top. Uh, like, do you, hot, do you, yeah, yeah, nice holiday, but particular destination, um, Hawaii. Ha- Hawaii. Oh, that's a good one. I yeah. like that one. Now, let's yeah, let's yeah. see if I can actually spell it. Just give me a second. H a w a w i. Right. I think that's right. Anyway. All right. Cool. Uh, question number four. Now, here's an interesting one. What's the best holiday you both have been on together? Uh, Portugal. <laughs> Portugal. What What made you say that? What was good about Portugal? Weather, uh, relaxation, yeah, time together. <laughs> nice, I like it, I like it. Okay, cool. And last but not least, what is your, f- dude, what is your favourite film of all time? Or uh, again, at the top of your list, like very close to the top of your list? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. But uh, again, going, going back a bit, um, Boys in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think she's going to have a clue. I really don't. She might, she might get some of these. <laughs> I, I think she's, you've made it very hard for her, but let's see, let's see what happens. All right, get Neha back in. Neha back in. Come on, let's give her a call back in. All right, give me a text. No worries. While he's doing that, while Akash's doing that, you're listening to the Love Lounge with the Love, Doc- Love Doctor. We're playing the Couples Challenge, by the way, and if you ever want to take on the Couples Challenge, if you think well, you've got what it takes, just drop me a WhatsApp 0795 700 272, and let's see how well you know your partner. Uh, all right, is she there? Hi, yeah. Hello. <laughs> okay. Right, I, I just want to. I just want to say that I think um, Akash has made it a little bit hard for you. Yeah. So you can you can just you know give him a good old clip round the ear afterwards. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> let, let's do this and see how well you get. On. Okay. So I've asked okay. Akash five questions about mm-hmm. him, and you've got okay. to try and give your best answers to see how well you know your partner. Question number one. Okay. I asked Akash to name his favourite naughty snack. So his normal go-to snack. And I'll give you a bit of a clue just to help you. He's going through a phase at the moment where there's one particular sweet treat that he's enjoying. Chocolate. But any particular one. Oh, God. Quick? Okay, cool. I'll I'll reveal the answers afterwards, okay? So we're going to reveal the answers afterwards. Okay, cool. We'll go with that and see how you go. Okay. Uh, Question number two. I asked Akash to name his favourite song or favourite music artist. And he went for a music artist, but he went a little bit old school. Oh, God. Okay, Tupac? Tupac. You think Tupac. Okay, cool. We'll take that answer and see how we get on. Uh, Question number three. I asked um, Akash to name one thing that's on his bucket list or very close to the top. Um, He named something travel related. What do you think he said? Oh, a nice week holiday. Where? Any particular location? Hawaii. Okay, Hawaii. No worries. Um, question number four. Um, I asked him, what's the best holiday destination that you both have been on so far together? Uh, Portugal. Uh, Do you say Portugal? Yeah. Okay, cool. Portugal. And last but not least, uh, the question was, what is his favourite film of all time? And it could be Hollywood, Bollywood or anything. could be anything at all. What do you think he said? I know this. I think it's Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Nice. Yeah. All right, cool. Now, <laughs> I've got to obviously do some very complex calculations here and kind of really top yeah. up the scores. And, you know, they don't give us any technical equipment here, so I have to top this all in my head. It's quite quite difficult. It's quite um, uh, taxing on my particularly small brain. But let's let's see. Let's see how you got on. So let me just count this going. One, uh, uh, uh. All right, cool. So I think I've got the score now. So can, just a quick question for you, though, Neha. How well yeah. do you think you did? Three out of five. Three out of five, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're very confident, aren't you? Very confident. All right, cool. <laughs> so in the highly technical radio world, I'm going to give you a hand-on-desk r- drum roll. And I'm going to let yeah. you know that, Neha, you scored. I'm going to keep you in suspense a bit longer. <laughs> a bit longer. A little bit longer. You got four out of five. Wow! Oh, very good. That That's is good. that is uh, that is impressive. I have to say, four out of five, especially the boys in the hood. So let, let's do a quick review, yeah. right? Now you got um, naughty snack. You said Twix. He said Twix. Oh. Uh, second one was the one that you got wrong. He said for his favourite music artist, he said Notorious B.I.G. You said Tupac. Oh yeah, I know. Rest yeah. of them, of course, you got right. Bucket list destination Hawaii, um, yeah. best holiday Portugal, and then of course favourite film Boys in the Hood. And you got it. You absolutely got <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, that is very, very impressive. I must say because I think those were quite some difficult answers there. How do you feel? Yeah, good. Now my ultimate question to you is Neha, if the roles yeah. were reversed today. How well do you think Akash would do? Very well. I think he knows me better. Really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think he would have got five out of five. I I feel a bit of a challenge coming on. I I think this is something we could actually potentially do in the future. You guys up for a little bit of a role reversal at some point in the coming weeks? Sure, we'll do that. Let, let's put it in there. Agash said with a great deal of intrepidation there. Yeah, let's go. Oh, Amit, I hate you. But yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> listen, thank you so much, guys. By the way, you know what? One thing I've got to say that I completely forgot to ask you guys in the beginning. Like, you know, w- what was one thing that when you guys met, you thought, hmm, this is the one? What did you kind of meet when you meet met each other what did you think about each other what was like one thing that grabbed your attention so let me ask Neha first what was one thing oh, about Akash that got your attention about him 
know. Big muscles? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of knew from like before walking in, just like a sixth sense. I just sensed that I'd like him, and I did, and like, yeah. Everything was good. <laughs> Every, everything yeah, was good. He's got, just, yeah. In other words, you're saying he's got the full package, baby. Yeah, pretty close. Oh, yeah, nice. Pretty close. Uh, <laughs> same question to you, Akash. What was the what was the thing that grabbed your attention the most? Uh, same. Obviously, very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that was really easy going, easy to talk to. And it just, yeah, just felt right. <laughs> nice. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Akash and I are a relatively new couple, but they have proved and they've kept, kind of set the benchmark as well. For all the couples out there that have been together like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years who think they know their partner well, let's see what kind of scores they get. But definitely I want to invite you two back and see what the reverse score is as well to see how Ak- well Akash does in- in when he leaves the room anyway. But listen, I wanted to say thank you to you guys. You've done brilliantly today. Today, and we're going to add this to the podcast as well but you guys are absolutely awesome love you but mwah, 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 mwah. you guys are the best big hugs thank you guys catch our love guru amit soda between 7 p.m and 10 p.m every sunday for that chill out zone